Hey friends, we are in the studio at University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, much fancier than in our closet where I usually record. But I am sitting here with my husband. Say hey. Hello. We are on actually his lunch break over here at the college recording an episode all about just ask us anything. I put it out there on Instagram, ask us anything, and you did. So I wrote out the questions. Some of them were repeat. Some of them were, I just didn't understand, but we're going to get to as many as we can. You asked some really good questions. So we'll start with the first one. We had three different girls ask the same question in one way or the other. I feel like I've answered this before, but we're going to dive in. All right. It was, how do you know when you found the right person? My name is Katie Bulmer, a former heartbroken and hungover sorority girl. After I stopped looking for love in all the wrong fraternity boys, God blessed me with a husband who shows Christ's love to me every single day. We are parents of two daughters and thousands of others nationwide, and my heart behind everything I do is to give you truths. The world is screaming at you a bunch of lies, and I don't want you to hear those loud voices. I want you to hear the true voices. Grab your earbuds, grab a chai tea, and let's talk about some truth for your 20s. It is February. That means we are kicking off this month all about relationships. We have four episodes coming to you this month, and I have never been more excited about a month on the podcast. We've already recorded these episodes, and I'm just like, Ah, so excited to share them with you. Y'all, some of these guests are just going to blow your hair back. I mean, just buckle up is all I'm saying. It is just going to be a really, really great month. I'm so thrilled about these episodes. But before we dive in, I want to read to you the review of the week. I like to feature girls who took the time to leave a review. And this is from JJ Baker. It says, wow, this podcast gives me so much life. I started with the most recent one and then quickly binged the rest of the episodes so I could get caught up. Katie gives so much insight into everything a 20 something struggles with, whether you'd like to admit it or not. I highly recommend everyone should listen. Thank you so much for leaving a review. That means the world to me. Now, here we go. Here's the podcast. You want to start with that one? Sure. <laughs> so I think one of the, the biggest things to keep in mind is ultimately the person that you say yes to in marriage and get married to, that is the right person for you with all their flaws, with all their difficulties, with all their things and failures and stuff like that, that over those years together, you're going to see the best of them, the worst of them, but that's the person that you've committed to say to. So I think no matter what is decided, that person, once you marry them, once you enter that relationship with them, you've got to go in with the mindset that I am committed to this person almost to the point of no matter what. I mean, there are some way far off things, but a lot of times we use those extremes to try to justify a normative action. But I don't think it's narrowed down to one person. With the billions and billions of people on this planet find it very hard to believe that we only have one person. What if you were born here and that other person was born in China and you never connect? That just doesn't seem plausible to me. So I do believe that there are people, sometimes it's timing, sometimes it's proximity. Ultimately, I think there's more of a compatibility that you're looking for. It's a complimentary, it's, it's what it's important to you, what do you value that you're looking for in somebody else. And if a person checks off those boxes and meets your values, then it's definitely somebody worth getting to know better, but take it slow. There's no rush. Another thing that I think we do that can make us feel like we found the right one or not is that we get into infatuation and we start getting involved physically long before we really know the person. Um, If they are truly 
one of the right people for you, then you taking it slow is not going to hurt anything and it's not going to damage the relationship. What are your thoughts, Katie? Um, yeah, so mine's pretty easy. When you find the right person, like everything goes dim and a light shines behind them and then you hear this music. Right? And that oh, what happened yeah, when you met me? Yeah. No. <laughs> I agree what Brian was saying in that what happens more often is we feel you found this right person because of chemistry or because of infatuation. And, you know, I've studied this kind of stuff a lot, and I read a book by Gary Thomas called The Sacred Search, and he talks a lot about the stage of infatuation, and that is that, you know, I can't get enough of you. They can do no wrong. I, no one has ever loved like this before kind of love. And, and everyone walks through that, and, and it's a good thing. It's a cute little butterfly stage, but it neurologically can only last. 12 to 18 months. So what happens a lot of times in this 12 to 18 months is people sleep together or sometimes even get married. And so you have this, uh, when people are sexually bonded, they have this concreting together of their relationship. And of course, if they're married, they have a legal bond as well. So you get together to chemically excited, you're cute, you say all the right things kind of people. And then if that's all that's supporting the relationship, then when that's stripped away and it's like, yeah, you're still cute and you still give me butterflies, but you don't pick up your laundry and you don't pay the bills or whatever it is. What really matters is what's underneath that chemistry. So a lot of times we get confused in this. I found the right person because I have chemistry, but when infatuation slash chemistry fades away, what is left? And then we are often fooled saying, well, I just didn't find the right person. I made a mistake. I need to find another, quote, right person. So that's where we get this myth of the right person. I think what Brian said was perfect, that when you are married, that is your right person. But when you're single, you get that opportunity to decide who do you want to be that right person all the days of your life and look underneath the infatuation and like what is actually going to support this marriage. Because I mean, <laughs> butterflies is cute, but it's not going to work when you have a three-year-old who's cranky and a, a newborn who won't go to sleep. Like what's underneath that stuff when life gets tough? And I think for sure you have to have the same faith. That's like the ultimate foundation for every good relationship. Um, anyway, I think that we, we tackled that one. What do you think? Yeah, one quick thing I would say is I heard somebody say, too, that you want to try to walk through all the seasons of a year together just to get a sense of what each other is like because um, different people act in different ways during those different seasons. You know, winter can be cold like it is here in Chattanooga right now, and people in those depressing type situations may act a little bit different than out in the sun where everything's bright and shiny in the summer. They may act a little different. So you want to experience life together to the point to where you kind of know what's going on. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Oh, wow. We're experts at this. Hashtag not. Uh, how do you openly communicate about something that you know you're going to disagree on without getting into an argument? Let me say, guys, we, we're not perfect at anything. I mean, we certainly still argue. We are two selfish human beings just trying to figure it out like the rest of us. But of course, you know, we've just figured some stuff out. I think we have some mutually respectful practices. So my answer to that is one of the best things that we started doing actually not too long ago is 
Sunday night meetings, and, and I call it front-loading, and that means every Sunday night we get together and we just pull out our calendars, and it just helps walk through what to expect that week. You know, they say that people don't get upset unless they get surprised or something happens unexpected. So if it's Thursday at 4.30 and I'm calling Brian, I'm like, oh, shoot, at 5 o'clock I need you to pick up so-and-so, that can become a stressful situation. But if we're talking about it Sunday evening with our calendars and, oh, you know, on Wednesday I need you to pick this up, it, it just avoids a lot of stress. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I agree and also agree that we're by um, no means perfect. I think one of the things I try to do that I don't feel like I'm successful at as I want to is I think a lot of times, you know, even how this question is worded, how do you openly communicate about something that you know you're going to disagree on? Well, a lot of times when we think that we're going to disagree with somebody on something, we've already prepared that disagreement in our head and we've already reverse, rehearsed it you know, a couple hundred times, if not a thousand times, before they ever walk in the door. So they're kind of put in a situation with no matter what they say or do, they're going to be in a disagreement and there's going to be an argument. And so one of the things, and, and I definitely felt this because I think after you've been married for somebody for a while, you honestly probably know what their hot buttons are and you know that you can push them, whether intentionally or unintentionally, um, you can press those buttons. And so one of the things that I try to think through is try to make this a new situation. Now, if you're probably to ask Katie, she'd probably tell you that I fell at that often. No. But... Um, you know, is try to make this a new situation. Okay, this is what I thought in my head, but that, but what I think in my head isn't who she is. It's just what I think could happen because there's this one time where it did happen. So I think as you think through it, try to communicate, one, clarity. I think a lot of arguments and disagreements happen because of a lack of communication and a lack of talking. Something's withheld or, oh, this is really going to make them upset, so we're not going to share this. We're not going to do this. We're not going to do that. And then that makes things even worse by those intentions or those desires not being shared or known. So I think you need to be open and honest, but also loving and kind. And there's kind of a tension between those things that you have to share when you have those conversations. But try not to get it in your head that this is just going to be a big blow up disagreement argument because you'll definitely lead it that way because that's all you thought about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, y'all, Brian is the most, uh, I'm sure you can just tell, like just kind and I mean, you are like he. I'm usually the one who causes arguments. He's just he's so steady. I always say I'm up and down. And he's just so steady. So if if it's anyone, it's usually me causing the arguments for sure. <laughs> um, but that was from Caroline Krupa. I'm giving a shout out to a few girls who asked some great questions. A lot of these were anonymous, or um, I didn't get permission to share. But I want to give a shout out for Caroline for asking that great question. Okay, y'all ask some funny questions. Actually, two girls ask similar questions to this. How do you deal with crazy family members? Well, lucky for Brian, I have no crazy family members. <laughs> and lucky for Katie, I don't either. Um, but I think the truth, though, there is that we all probably, from our different perspectives, have somebody on family that we think is a little bit crazy. And if you think about it, you know, those family members have been with that person that you're in a relationship with a lot longer. And so they probably have some wanting to protect, wanting to make sure they don't get hurt, and perhaps even some jealousy that may, you know, take place on, I guess, what could potentially be that negative side. So there are some reasons why they may be acting that way, and sometimes it's good to get perspective of people from the other side. But we all probably feel like we have somebody crazy in our, you know, in our families. And if you don't feel like anybody is crazy, the one thing that I've heard about that is that a lot of times that means that it's probably you. So it's just something to think about. And I think it's how do you navigate that together? How do you prepare each other together for those 
those situations, I think it is very wise to try to work with each other. There's going to be times where your spouse is going to want you to do stuff that you don't want to do with family. And there's going to be times that you're going to want them to do stuff that they don't want to do with family. And how can you pull together and work together to work through those things? And at some point in time, you're just also going to have to be a little tolerant of those things. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, my thought was when we were dating and when we got engaged, I had some pushback from some family members because I was I was, you know, a wild party sorority girl, and, and that was applauded on um, one of my sides of my family. And when I, I became a Christian first, before I met Brian, and kind of like that temporary pleasures of, you know, getting drunk and stuff didn't fulfill me anymore. And then shortly after that, I met Brian. So they blamed <laughs> Brian for like, quote, taking the fun out of me. I'm like, y'all, you don't, you don't even know, like, I have found my light. I have found my fire. And Brian is on the same page with me, the only guy I've ever dated who is on the same page and supporting this like true happiness, not temporary getting drunk and feeling like crap the next day kind of happiness. So that was some pushback. And I remember, I don't remember if someone told me this or it was just like a divine realization, but what I finally realized is I don't have to make extended family who I see three times a year happy. What I do need to value is who I'm going to live with day in and day out. Now, that's not to say if everyone in your family is saying, red flag, red flag, I don't think you should date this guy. You need to listen to that. But in this situation, if you have, you know, something that you know is right and a few people who are I mean, I, I guess my situation is kind of odd, but all that to say, like, listen to family members because they might have some good advice. But at the end of the day, you know, Brene Brown says, make sure you're making the people happy that you're coming home with and those people that you're committing your life to who live in your house, because that's what matters, not the people that you see on Thanksgiving and Christmas and stuff like that. Did we spend the night together before marriage? Well, if you count being in the house with family um, <laughs> before marriage is spending the night together, we've been in the same house when we have slept um, before we were married, but not in a situation where we're in the same bed, the same room, the same you know situation together with our clothes off and go, oh, I don't think this will tempt fate tonight. Um, that's definitely not the case. And I even had opportunity it was actually either right before this or right after this. Whenever you told me you were coming back, so I think right before this, I actually kissed you and I Come got back to go from to where? New York City. Yeah. So um, I actually kissed you there. And then in New York, we kind of got concerned because we didn't feel like it would be the greatest for me like to stay with you. And I'd already got tickets to come up and see you. And we weren't really sure where I was going to stay or how we are going to work that up because hotels in New York when you're, you know, just out of college or not cheap. Luckily, the girl that you're up there with, she had a guy that was interested in her and he volunteered his house for a place for me to stay. And other than some very awkward things that I saw on a subway riding back in the evenings about 11 o'clock at night, that was extremely helpful and just good for our integrity and what people perceived of us as a couple. Yeah, so to let you kind of know what we were talking about, we, we were dating when I moved up to New York City and he talked about the first time he kissed me is I had had to come back uh, back to Statesboro when I lived up in New York for a wedding. And I told him at that point, I wasn't sure when I moved to New York if I was going to stay there forever or not. I had, you know, I was young and I had big city stars in my eyes and I wanted to live there forever. At least I thought I did. And and I love New York and I still do. I it, One of my favorite cities. But as I went up there, <laughs> I remember I saw a woman pushing a stroller had an armful of groceries and a toddler on her hand trying to come up the stairs from the subway. And I was like, I don't, I don't want that as my future. So when I came back and told him I was going to come back, that was the first time he kissed me. And we'd been dating probably like six months or so at that point. 
So to answer your question, we did not spend the night together before marriage. He was a youth pastor at the time. And not only did we just want to have higher levels of integrity because those teenagers are watching how I behave, Brian just has high levels of integrity anyway. And that's one of the things that just really drew me to him, that he never wanted to even put me in a tempting situation. So it wasn't a matter of, are we going to sleep together. It wasn't even on the table because we weren't married. So why would we put ourselves in those tempting situations? As you know, I've gotten more into this role in mentoring young college students. I'll hear a lot of times, well, we won't sleep together, but he stays over and he sleeps in his underwear. I'm like, (laughs) I mean, if you don't want to get burned, you don't play with fire. And listen, I'm sure your willpower is great, but you're made to be attracted to him. Like if you like each other, It is good that you want to rip each other's clothes off. Let's just be real. Like (laughs) that chemistry is all part of it. You like each other. But if you are laying together in the same bed and you have articles of clothing missing, like you can't be Superman or Superwoman. And why don't you just take 15 steps away from that situation and just be like, no, you know, we're not going to do that. And listen, I know this is countercultural. And if you say this is something I want to do, you might have some guys that push back. Well, Bye. Deuces, homie. Like, it's fine. You don't have to date those guys. But I promise you, I promise you, you're going to tell me, oh, Katie, well, there's no guys out there that have this kind of integrity. I thought the same thing. But if you're not looking for it, you're not going to find it. Like, I'm thinking of an example the other day, our cat got lost. And don't, don't worry, I know where I'm going with this. Our cat got lost and I'm walking around the neighborhood and my eyes are peeled to look for this little gray and black cat. So everywhere I thought I saw him, I thought I saw him in the bush. I thought I saw him over here in this tree. Like everywhere I was looking, I thought I saw it. And all that says is when you're looking for something, you see it. So if you're looking for a guy with integrity, guess what? You're going to find it. I think one of the things too that I would share, that person that you decide to marry one day, if you truly love and you truly care about that person, you kind of need to share your sexual history with that person. So what kind of stories do you want to tell? And what kind of stories do you want the people that you're in a relationship to tell with their future spouse? Maybe that's you, but wouldn't you want to know that you've protected each other, you've guarded each other, you've put each other in the right situation? Or do you, if something were to unfortunately happen to that relationship, now you've got somebody new that has kind of come into the intimate setting that that person has to explain You know, I was in this relationship with so-and-so before you, and and this happened, and this happened. And that's a very heart-wrenching conversation for a lot of people. But if you truly love and care that person that you're about to marry, you owe it to them to share, you know, your sexual history. And truly, if you care about somebody that you plan to marry, that is one of the things that you should do. But the less you have to share in that situation, the better off you're going to to be. It's a lot easier to to pull away from a kiss than it is to pull away from being, um, you know, in your underwear in the bed together making out. Yes, 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 yes. And amen to all of that. Like, what is the story you want to tell your future spouse? I feel like that needs to be on a t-shirt. Not really. But also, what's the story you want to tell your future children? We have a 10 and a 12-year-old, and we're starting to have those conversations about dating and everything. And you have to think, one day you're going to have to explain not only to your future spouse, but your future children. 
I didn't think it was worth waiting. Or when I was 17, I made a bad decision on spring break. The decisions you make right now in your present life will show up in your future. And they will one day become your past, a past that you're proud of, or a past that you have to unpack that result in baggage and a lot of other explaining to do. And the good part is if you're listening and you're a young person right now, you get the chance to write what is your future past gonna be like? What are those stories you want to tell? All right, so another question that we got was, how do you keep a strong faith through trials? I think one of the things there, too, is, you know, we kind of talked about front-loading earlier, but the truth is, is I think when you get out of connection to your faith and you walk through trials, then that's going to make those trials that much harder. So the more things that we can do to front-load to keep a strong faith, I think the better off that we are. The more that we're able to plan for things through those, I think trying to keep people around you and trying to find good people that are supportive, most things out there will tell you that to make it through things, people who live longer and other things like that do that in community. So I think that those are some of the key things. One of the hardest things that we walked through when we were married is when we had a two-year-old and a, and a new baby, and Brian lost his job, and it was a, a church job. And so long story short, the pastor just was kind of, you know, get rid of, getting rid of all the staff and was giving more money toward missions, and the church wasn't growing, and so there was a limited money, and he was just like getting rid of all the staff one by one, and, and one of those staff members was Brian. So as I was a stay-at-home mom, we had a, a two-year-old and a baby, and our, my husband just lost his job. And when you lose a church job, you, you like everything gets pulled out from underneath you because that is not only your income and your job, it's your friends. It's where you go to church. It's like our whole world was was wrapped up in that. And, and the pastor said, well, the worst part for me, he said, you know, I'm doing this, but I don't want you to tell anyone until September. And we think maybe he was just trying to save face or something, but it was so hard for me in that stage because you're telling me my whole world, all that I know is getting ripped out, but I can't say anything to anyone for two months. And that was such a hard time for me. That's actually when I started blogging, not anything about that, but I just, I had to find my voice which is a whole nother subject. But to answer your question, like how do we find our faith through all of that? I feel like, although that was so hard and financially it was very hard and we started like, that's when I started cloth diapering and making my own, you know, cleaning detergent and stuff like that. I became a total hippie. (laughs) But because to save money and also just, you know, to be healthy and stuff like that. But I don't feel like it was so hard on us as a couple because we had the same goal in mind. Like we were both on this, we had the same, you know, eye on the prize. We were both looking toward finding another job, staying together as a family, like growing in our faith. We weren't ever, it wasn't ever a question like, oh, well, I'm going to leave you or you're going to leave me and and our world's going to fall apart. It was just, it was just a hard thing that we were getting through together. Um, And then another hard thing that we walked through is when Hannah, um, she's 12 now, but when she was four, we were just sitting on the back porch. It was a concrete back porch slab. And I was sitting there with her and her two friends. It was four little girls out there. And she was reaching for a popsicle and fell over and fell on the back of her head and, and cracked her skull. It sounds so awful. And it and it was. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, it was terrible. We had to go to ICU. And, and although it sounds very scary, she had a skull fracture and a brain bleed. 
they she was fine and the body healed itself naturally but they had to put her in ICU to monitor her because you know it's scary when a 4-year-old has that kind of trauma so it was very traumatic but all that to say like we were both on the same page we both had the same goal in mind we wanted to get Hannah better and that was the only thing that mattered and we were just I think you come together, not, no one wants trials, but you also come together and you stand firmer and you cling tighter during those trials because what choice do you have? And what a better way to kind of draw closer is when you're walking through stuff like that. I hope you are enjoying this episode. I just want to interrupt real quick to let you know, I would love to have these conversations with you one-on-one. I am offering online mentoring. It's kind of like a coffee date through the screens that are our phones. Everything you see me do, whether that's speaking or podcasting, all started with coffee dates with my college student friends. I have been a mentor in one way or another for almost 15 years. It would be my absolute pleasure to be able to be your mentor as well. Rates are as low as $35 a session, and if you get a month of mentoring, you get a session free. Super affordable, super easy to book. Check out all the details at katiebolmer.life. All right, totally switching gears here. The question was simply taxes with a question mark. What What do you got, Brian? So, yeah, so, I mean, the first thing that I would say about taxes is we all need to pay our taxes. You can look throughout history. You can look at the Bible. You can look everywhere, and it suggests that we give to the government what is the government. So we definitely need to pay our taxes. Not really sure where the question was going, but the thing when it comes to taxes that I always get frustrated by because I think we have a mis perception of this is as we're heading into tax season, as we're heading towards people getting refunds, a lot of times people get all excited about the refund. Perhaps you're getting a refund, but a lot of times all a refund is, is a no interest loan that you're giving the government for your money. Um, If you're getting a really big refund from your job and you're super excited about it, that's money that you could have had month after month after month in most cases. Now, some of us will make so little that it really doesn't change things for us, even if we were to change our deductions. But the thing that you may want to look at is where are my deductions at? And those deductions are what allow you to get more of your money. So if you have no deductions, but you could have a deduction or two and you're getting a huge refund, I would much rather you have that money month to month, especially if you're being smart about how you use that money and you have a budget and you have things that are helping guide your money because the habits you make with your money now are going to last you a lifetime. So if you can get this under control now, if you can master that money month to month, if you can deal with getting your refund lower, if if you're in school and you're getting financial aid and you're just kind of spending it and not really thinking about what you're using it for and allowing that debt in the background to grow and grow and grow because it's something that we don't have to think about right now, then those can all be very detrimental things. So taxes are just one piece of that. And so there's a bunch of other things that those kind of lead into. But if you're getting a high return on your taxes, I would highly encourage you to look at your deductions, try to change those so maybe you can get a little bit less. And then also as you do that, Think about budgeting so that way you can keep more and more of your money and perhaps even borrow less and less money to set yourself up, your future up, your future spouse up to be in a better situation for the future by doing those things. Yeah, amen. I mean, wouldn't you rather meet a, a guy who has doesn't have any debt and who saved up a nest egg for you guys to build your future home? Wouldn't you want to return the favor and be that girl who doesn't have $20,000 in student loan debt plus another $20,000 in car loans. So we think debt is a way of life, but it's not. That is just what MasterCard wants you to believe, that you can have what you want in this theory of I deserve it. Well, 
no one deserves anything. Like you live within your means. If you are a barista, that's awesome. Rock your barista job, but you don't need to drive an Escalade. You know what I'm saying? The last question about dating and couples and all that good stuff is what is the secret? This is from Rebecca DeBuse. Rebecca, I'm sorry. There is no secret. I think that people just look up to people who've been married for, I don't know, we've been married 15 years, so whatever the magic number is, and think that they have it figured out. But I just think that marriage is two selfish people learning to be unselfish and just constantly learning to put each other's needs in front of our own. And sometimes I get this wrong, and sometimes Brian gets this wrong, and we don't have a lot of good examples in our culture of who is a perfect couple, who is an unselfish couple always out serving each other. But Christ gives us the great example on how to serve. And he is the king of the universe who deserved everything and anything, but he gave his life up for a rebel race who was completely selfish. So that's our example when we get lost of how do we love each other well, that's our example. I think the other two things, and, and we used to actually give gifts when we'd go to weddings that related to this, but the two biggest areas that people tend to struggle with is one, communication, and two, money. And so we used to actually, instead of giving a wedding gift to people, we would actually buy some materials to help people grow in their marriage. Because that wedding is one day. Hopefully it's magical. Hopefully it's wonderful. Hopefully it's amazing. But you just heard Katie say, we've been together for 15 years. So if we don't know how to manage money well together and we don't know how to communicate well together, that's going to cause some big areas. And be honest with you, kind of those you know secret busters, if you will. So I would say, one, learn how to deal with money before you get married, but then be willing to work together on money when you get married, because ultimately money becomes an us thing when you're married, not a me and you thing when you're married. And then two, learn better ways to communicate. Try to share information. Try to understand each other's personality styles and how you relate to communicating. Um, Everybody's going to be different. Everybody's going to be unique. But if you can learn how to communicate, learn how to care about each other, and be honest with you, listen to some of the things we shared earlier, because all those kind of relate. But And I think a big thing, too, is just that frame of reference of, you know, you're, you're not quitting. You're not giving up on that marriage once you're in it. Now, a dating relationship is a lot different, and there may be times where you need to quit that dating relationship because you're trying to figure things out. But I will say you're less likely to quit on your dating relationships if you allow those to take a lot of time to develop. And there's nothing wrong with that. If they are Mr. Right, then you are going to discover that person at the right time. And if you grow that slowly, they're not going to run off because they're the type of person that you're going to want to be in a relationship with. And by Mr. Right, I don't mean a single individual on the planet because we addressed that earlier. I mean the right person at this time um, walking into your life to develop that relationship with you to last a lifetime. Boom. All right. Unfortunately, Brian had to go back to work. We were literally doing this on his lunch break. So he had to run back to work. But I have just two more questions. And he he, um, gave me something really good to say here. So I'm going to go ahead and speak for Brian. But the next question is, how do you deal with your past? This is from Jordan Winton. Jordan, I have no idea specifically what you mean by this. Um, I'm going to talk about sexual past. You might be embarrassed by that. I have It could be totally not what you meant, but I think that's a big deal that needs to be addressed. So we're going to dive in. So what Brian said, what I thought was really good is obviously the less sexual past you have, the more you have to explain and the more you have to unpack. 
He also wanted to point out that that is not 100% mean that anyone is past forgiveness or too far gone, like never, ever, ever. Jesus is the best at making beauty from ashes. So when we feel like we are too far gone or we've made too many mistakes, like, well, you know what? That was yesterday. And today is a new day. Today, there is a fork in the road every single day. So today is a day to decide, I don't want to be that girl who makes that decisions anymore with that guy or these guys or whatever. I want to be the girl who is pursuing purity, who is understanding my worth and making a new legacy and new future marriage that rocks a future marriage bed that is sacred. And, and that is still possible no matter what happened last week no matter what happened last spring break. This is possible today. Now, to the girl who's saying, oh, well, then I can just do whatever I want. You know, it's two-edged sword because it's, you are never too far gone. But also, you can't just go live recklessly and hook up with whoever you want to and use the forgiveness card. One of the driving reasons why I'm recording this podcast right now, why I'm doing what I do, why I spend hours every week trying to mentor to sorority girls it's really because of this message right here. Because I was the girl who was not a virgin when I got married, and I did not understand the decisions that I made when I was 17 would show up in my future. One day I would meet this guy when I was 23 years old who had waited for marriage, who did have high integrity in dating and had this, this beautiful idea of marriage of two people who waited and wanted to become one. And I did not know he was worth waiting for. I did not realize that the decisions I made as a teenager and 20-something would show up in my future. And that is why I'm so passionate about you guys, because what I see today as I'm having coffee with these young girls that are saying, I want a Christian leader of our household. I want a guy who leads our daughters and sons up in the faith. I want a guy who sees me as the only woman in the world and doesn't have a long list of ex-lovers to compare me to. Every girl I've ever mentored wants that. But meanwhile, they're dating a guy who is porn addicted and cusses at his mama and is not respectful and is trying to get her pants off. Like what in the world, guys? So I'm so passionate about this because I see your incredible trend-setting power. You can change the dating world. You can decide, here is my bar. You can't see me, but my hand is like way up high. I'm like, here is my bar. I will no longer settle for some guy who's just sloppy drunk and trying to take me home. I will no longer settle for just a scum bucket. Can I say scum bucket? I don't know. I will no longer settle for that. Like my standards are now above that. I am seeking a guy who knows how to respect me. I'm seeking a guy who leads me to Christ, not the bedroom. Ooh, somebody needs to retweet that. This is your new standard, and that can change the dating world, you guys. That is when you realize your worth, and then you have set yourself up to honor and protect yourself and have standards in dating. Guess what? You're going to meet an awesome guy. I 100% guarantee it. I said it on the last podcast I recorded where we were talking about becoming your best single self. People would say, oh, well, that narrows my dating pool. Yes, it does narrow your dating pool. The guy who's sloppy drunk is no longer an option for you. The guy who's just trying to take you home for his own selfish needs is no longer an option for you. You are welcome. <laughs> One of my favorite scriptures is in 2 Corinthians when it talks about becoming a new creation. I think it's so powerful, the symbol of baptism, because it just symbolizes that your old self 
dies in that baptismal water. So the old self who's just seeking popularity, who's just seeking temporary pleasures, she's gone. She is gone in that baptismal waters. But rising up is a new creation, a new girl who has her eyes on the prize of chasing after the heart of Jesus. A girl who has her eyes on the prize of becoming a leader in her generation. You can define what that new creation looks like. And I promise you, it is not chasing temporary likes on your bikini picture. All right. Okay. (laughs) Last question. How do I avoid temptation and stay connected to a Christian community while attending college? That's a great question. I think that 100% is just about the people you surround yourself with. They say you're only as strong as the five people you spend the most time with. So if you find yourself struggling to find a Christian community, I wouldn't say your friends are bad, but maybe take a minute to look around and find, seek out that Christian community. I had a conversation the other day with a girl who wanted to get involved with a campus ministry at her church. But the same, you know, normal fears of, well, I don't know anyone and I don't have anyone to ride with and I don't have anyone to go with. Girl, show up by yourself. You're fine. Show up by yourself or bring a friend to go with you if you can find one friend. But don't make excuses. Just show up. Like, what's the worst that can happen? I promise you, you're going to find. It's funny. I um, I wrote about this, but. The first time I went to a Greek campus ministry, it's funny, I actually showed up at the wrong place on the wrong day. Like I could find the bars in town blindfolded, but when it came to finding a campus ministry, I literally, I showed up at the wrong place on the wrong day. But when I tried again, and I did try again, point noted, because a lot of girls would just be like, oh, you know, forget it. I'm not going to try again. But I showed up again, and I found incredible Christian community. It was so funny because I would have told you that Christians were nerds and they didn't know how to have fun, and like I was just too cool for that, whatever, whatever. But I was blown away that this parking lot was full of people, and I went in, and everyone was just so kind and so welcoming. I remember this girl that was sitting right behind me had this rock star, beautiful voice. I'm pretty sure she was part angel. And it was just such a, I mean, obviously it's what my heart needed, but it was such a beautiful time. And it was right there, like a mile from my campus all along. And I did not even discover it until I'm like walking out my senior year, the spring of my senior year. So just point that out that wherever you are on your college campus, I'm pretty confident you can find some Christian community. You just have to be willing to look for it. Man, that was so fun. I love these kind of podcasts, just answering your questions. You guys are my people. I don't know if I make that clear enough, but you are my people. I was talking to someone the other day and he said, I'm trying to make this dream business more of a a business business. Like I don't make a lot of money doing this. The only way I make money right now is speaking. I'm trying to get ideas, but that's another subject for another, another day. But I was talking actually to a life coach about it. Like, how do I make all these things I'm passionate about, make it more of a business and make it like, you know, to be able to be sustainable. And one of the questions he said was like, well, what would happen if if you didn't have this passion, I'm like, well, that's not an option. (laughs) Like I will talk about this stuff until I have, as long as I have breath in me, because I am so passionate about all of these things we've talked about, about healthy relationships, about you guys listening to this podcast. You are the ones 
that our world needs to see as being the light, the beacon of positive change. I believe that to my bones. And I'm just so passionate and so thankful for the opportunity for your ears to listen to this podcast, for you guys sharing it. Um, We've grown exponentially these past few months. It's crazy. I don't even know. I I was looking at the numbers the other day, and we're almost, by the time you hear this, we're going to be at 7,000 downloads. And it's just so exciting to hear your feedback and what you're liking and what you want to hear more of. And I'm, I'm just here for you. The easiest way to get in contact with me is just shoot me a DM on Instagram. I check all of those. I'd be happy to help you in any way I can. If you like this podcast, please share it. Just take a screenshot of it. Mention something that you like about it. Tag me so I can thank you. I'm at Katie Bulmer Life. I'm so thankful to spend some time with you today and to share some truth for your 20s.